Hello, this is Father John Arthur or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. In our last program, we went over the first three of the Ten Commandments of God as treated in the Catechism of the Catholic Churches in brief statements. Today, we'll go over the fourth and the fifth commandments. Honor your father and mother, and thou shalt not kill. Honor your father and mother. We hear this sure and certain teaching, not only in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but also in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 16, and the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 7, verse 10. So from Holy Moses and the Lord Jesus, the new and definitive Moses. Here, the sacred scripture, Almighty God, Mother Church, are not saying that Mommy and Daddy are perfect. Only God is perfect, but we are more perfect when we honor our parents who cooperate with the good God in bringing us to life. Mommy and Daddy give the body, God gives the soul. All authority comes from God. We honor our parents by being saints. It's to their honor, even if it is by not following their wicked example, if they are wicked. If they're good, all the better for us to emulate their goodness, and in that way we honor them. According to the fourth commandment, God has willed that after him we are to honor our parents and those who have been endowed by him for our good with authority. All authority comes from God. So on the civil sphere, the mayor, the city council, the governor, the state legislature, the president, the congress, these are all in positions of authority. Even the person at the checkout counter when you go to buy your bread is in a position of authority. If you don't pay for the bread, the police will be called and you'll be arrested for shoplifting, for stealing, for theft. The police, too, safeguarded by the fourth commandment. Our teachers, too, in a position of authority, since the children are sent to the teachers by the parents. God has willed that after him we are to honor our parents and those who have been endowed by him for our good with authority. Authority which is not exercised for the good, tyrannical authority, that is demonic. The conjugal community is established on the alliance and consent of the spouses. Marriage and the family are ordered to the good of the spouses, the procreation and education of children. The word conjugal comes from the joining of the prefix con with jungus, yoke, with a yoke, those who are bound together in holy marriage. This husband, this wife, this one man, this one woman make up the conjugal community. The nuptial embrace is also called the conjugal act, the marital act, to make love in a human manner. The alliance and consent or covenant and consent of the spouses is when the vows are exchanged. I do, I do, till death do us part, to have and to hold, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. There are two ends or two goals of holy marriage here in the fourth commandment, which is 
a family commandment, honor your father and mother. And so when we hear that procreation and education of the children are a good, are a direction, are a goal for which people enter into holy marriage, so too the good of the spouses. Not just the temporal good of a roof over our head or food in our belly or clothes on our backs, but that eternal good, that lasting good, that spiritual good, which is life on high with Christ, even grace living in the here and now. The education of the children has not only to do with reading and writing and arithmetic, but also with religion. Teach the children how to pray, to make the sign of the cross, to know who is the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, to know that Christ our Lord founded the church and speaks to us and feeds us through her. The procreation of children reminds us that it is with God procreation, with creation, for creation. God is the creator of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. But he uses the parents in holy marriage to grow the human race. So, mommy and daddy give the body, and God gives the soul. The human and Christian good of the human person and of society is strictly tied to the good health of the conjugal and familial community. Here the Catechism of the Catholic Church cites the pastoral constitution of the Church in the modern world, Gaudium et Spes, Article 47. Two different sorts of good here, human good and Christian good. What is good for me as a human being should be good for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. Grace presupposes nature, but it's not just good for me as an individual human being. It's also good for society, which is that grouping of human beings, the society which is Knoxville, the society which is East Tennessee, the society which is these United States. In 1999, during his pastoral visit to the United States of America, Pope John Paul reminded us that as the family goes, so too goes society so to the world, so to the church. When the family thrives, everything else thrives. But God forbid the family is in the tank, all else follows down the drain as well. Pope John Paul II was very active in the composition of the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world of the Second Vatican Council. The children must respect, be thankful, be justly obedient and help their parents. Here we have four major responsibilities. What was the song from Motown? R-E-S-E-P-C-T. Respect. It's not to say that mommy and daddy are always right, but to respect them. To be thankful for what? Who brought us into this world? Who cooperated with God that we might have being? Who saw that we were fed? That we were nursed when we were ill? that we were clothed, that we were educated. How often our parents are the answer. For this we are thankful. Who brought us to the saving waters of baptism? Who taught us to fold our hands or to pray to God? Please God, our parents. That the qualifier justly is prefixed to obedient, that children be justly obedient to their parents, 
reminds me of a very sad situation I once encountered where a man had so many children he was not married to any of the mothers and he had bred his own gang to this group he would say you go rob those houses to that group he would say you go fence the stolen goods to another group of these kids of his he would say you go sell drugs it was a very sad consequence of his wickedness and he was calling for an unjust obedience from his children the fourth thing parents are able to expect from their children is help the children must help their parents so even when we're young maybe we take out the garbage or do the dishes or set the table help clean up around the house and even in our parents older age we help them not abandoning them to a loneliness not abandoning them to want remembering all that they had done for us in our youth and even god forbid they had not done us well in our youth two wrongs will not make a right let us honor our fathers and our mothers by helping them even in their old age even to the grace of a happy death when god should so will it the parents are those who are primarily responsible for the education of their children in the faith in prayer and all the virtues they have the obligation to provide in all possible measure physical spiritual blessings to their children five different things in this passage from the catechism of the catholic church primary education in faith to believe in god and all that god has revealed prayer not just prayers the our father lord's prayer the hail mary the glory be those are prayers the mass the greatest prayer in the repertoire of the church but what is prayer the lifting up of our minds of our hearts to god communion with christ and all the virtues well in order to teach the virtues we need to know what the heck is a virtue a stable disposition to do good even in the face of difficulty with joy and ease it's one thing to know what virtue is it's another thing to know what the virtues are so there are cardinal virtues prudence and temperance fortitude and justice there are the moral virtues generosity brotherly love chastity patience humility seven of them opposite the capital sins pride and envy greed lust gluttony parents are the primary teachers the primary responsibles for the education of the children so you can't give what you don't have or on notice providing an all possible measure measure for physical and spiritual blessings it's not to say that everybody has to have a cadillac or a, a huge house or even a harvard education in all possible measure physical and spiritual blessings a roof over the head that's a physical blessing food in our bellies and clothes on our back those are physical blessings and some people are content with that mother church almighty god calls not only for physical blessings in all possible measure but also spiritual blessings take your children not only to the pediatrician for health care 
but even take them to the divine physician who is the Lord God. Take them to the saving waters of baptism where they can be healed and cleansed of original sin, any sins committed to that time. Take them to worship the Lord God each Sunday. These are spiritual blessings. Pray with them at home. Public authority is to respect the fundamental rights of the human person and the conditions to exercise his liberty. Here we see the Catechism of the Catholic Church turning not away from the family per se, but broadening the perspective. So the family, honor your father and mother, is not only seen as that nuclear reality, mommy and the daddy and the kids, but also of society, public authority, the mayor, the police, the government, public authority. Respecting the fundamental rights, basic rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, if we recall the Declaration of Independence. Religious liberty, even in the Bill of Rights. Fundamental rights of the human person and conditions to exercise his liberty. What will set us free? The truth will set us free. Who is the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus Christ. What is the pillar and bulwark of the truth? Scripture says, Mother Church. The obligation of citizens is to work with the civil powers to build up a society in a spirit of truth, justice, and solidarity, and liberty. If there's no truth in society, society is bad. If there's no justice to give each their due, and God has his due, society is not in a good way. Solidarity is recently come to the fore in the fall of communism in Eastern Europe. Remember the labor union at the Gdansk shipyard, Solidarnos, liberty. Again, freedom in truth. The citizen is obliged in conscience to not follow the prescription of the civil authorities when these precepts are contrary to the exigencies, the demands, the requirements of the moral order. It is better to obey God than men. Here, the Catechism of the Catholic Church cites the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, verse 29. The background to that passage is that the apostles were preaching the holy name of Jesus and faith and salvation in him, and they were persecuted, they suffered, they were commanded not to mention the holy name of Jesus, they were beaten. And the apostles say, beat us if you must, but it is better for us to obey God than men. And the Lord Jesus, before he was ascended to the Father's right hand, in a human nature like ours, he said to the apostles, Go ye therefore, teach all nations all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you all days, even to the end of the age. All the scriptures could not contain everything the Lord Jesus said and did. But what is contained in the sacred text is that we might have faith in him, the Lord Jesus. He will render an account from us whether we have been faithful, and that is where the conscience arises. All of society is to refer its judgments and conduct in light of man and his destiny. If all we're concerned about is the economy, as we hear sometimes in State of the Union addresses, it's economy stupid, 
then we're missing the boat because there is a divine economy, an exchange between heaven and earth. Our destiny is not of this world, even if it begins here for us. Outside of the light of the gospel on God and on man, societies easily become totalitarian. Here I'm reminded of John Paul II's favorite passage of Gaudium et Spes, the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world, where we are reminded that Jesus Christ reveals not only God to us, the mystery of the Holy Trinity, but also us to ourselves. Outside the light of the gospel on God and on man, the gospel sheds light on who is God and who are we made to the divine image, redeemed by the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Societies easily become totalitarian. Was it God-fearing or was it godless communist who wreaked such havoc? Adolf Hitler was not following the sure and certain teachings of Mother Church. He was not a pious altar boy when he was doing his reign of terror. He was disregarding the sure and certain teaching of Mother Church regarding human dignity. He refused the light of the gospel on God and on man, and his Nazi tyranny wreaked much havoc. So too, so many others. Think of Chairman Mao. Think of Pol Pot. Think of Fidel Castro. While these may be the poster boys for naughty governance, totalitarianism, remember those who kept the light of the gospel in mind as they governed Elizabeth of Hungary, Edward the Confessor of England, Louis the Ninth of France. The fifth commandment is thou shalt not kill. God in his power has the souls of all the living and the breath of all the flesh of men. So we read in the book of Job, chapter 12, verse 10. Here we acknowledge that our lives are more than just matter, more than just this body. We are body-soul composites. All human life, from the moment of conception until death, is sacred because the human person has been willed for himself in the image and likeness of the living and holy God. We actually liturgically celebrate two conceptions, the conception of Our Lady on the 8th of December and the conception of the Lord on March 25th. The Immaculate Conception for Our Lady and the Annunciation for the Lord. In these two ways, plus seeing the babe John the Baptist leap in his mother's womb at the Annunciation reminds us of the human personhood of what some have called the product of conception. All human life, from the moment of conception until death, is sacred, because God has willed us for himself. The murder of a human being is gravely contrary to the dignity of the person and the holiness of the Creator. Since life comes from God, God is able to bring us to himself at a time and in a manner pleasing himself. Any of us who would attempt to thwart God's designs, woe to us. 
the interdict or the forbidding of murder is not abrogated, taken away, by the right to hurt in the circumstance of an unjust aggressor. We have a right to defend ourselves. Not only thou shalt not kill the other guy, but don't let the other guy kill you, and don't kill yourself. Legitimate defense is a grave obligation for the one who is responsible for the life of another or for the common good. So if a home invader comes in, the father of the family might jump to it and defend his wife and children. Or the president of the nation might call out the armed forces to defend from an unjust aggressor. Here we have the common good, the life of another. From conception, the child has the right to life. Direct abortion, that is to say, willed as an end or as a means, is an infamous practice. Here, the Catechism of the Catholic Church cites the 27th article of the Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World, Vatican II, Gaudium et Spes. Infamous, infamous, terrible. Direct abortion is gravely contrary to the moral law. The Church sanctions a canonical penalty, a penalty in canon law, the law of the Church, of excommunication for this offense against human life. There are other things which have excommunication as a penalty, but in the Fifth Commandment, we read about it here in the case of abortion. The canons referred to are Canon 1398, Canon 1041, and Canon 1329. This is the 1983 Code of Canon Law, which is the code implementing the Second Vatican Council. Because he is treated as a person from his conception, the embryo must be defended in his integrity, cared and healed as all other human beings. So, we're not supposed to be flushing them down the sink. We're not supposed to be making them in petri dishes, etc. Voluntary euthanasia, which has many forms and motives, constitutes murder. It is gravely contrary to the dignity of the human person and the respect due to the living God, his creator, our creator. Sometimes this is called mercy killing. Oh, granny's sick, Billy's sick, daddy's sick, whoever's sick, let's put them out of their misery. Well, we know that suffering has meaning. We learn that at the foot of the cross. Pope John Paul II didn't only write about it, Salvifice Dolores, and the salvific nature of suffering, but he gave us an example, a model to follow in his own life and death. Cardinal Bernadine, when he was dying of cancer, wrote eloquently to the Congress of these United States, defending human life against attacks, specifically physician-assisted suicide. Suicide is greatly contrary to justice, hope, and charity. It is interdicted, that is, forbidden by the fifth commandment. Contrary to justice towards God, who is the Lord and the giver of life. Contrary to justice towards one's neighbors, family, friends. 
contrary towards justice towards oneself. Hope is a longing for heaven, not just for sunny weather. And I can always remember the words of Monsignor Robert Paul Moen, who taught me as an undergraduate in the university. He told us that suicide is a permanent answer to a temporary problem. And if you prefer the secular world, the world of Broadway musicals, don't forget Little Orphan Annie. The sun'll come out tomorrow at your bottom dollar. Hope and charity, love for God, love for neighbor, love for self. In suicide, I kill myself, and that's a hard way to show love, huh? No greater love than to lay down your life for your friend. The Lord Jesus did not commit suicide on Good Friday. It was a sacrificial love, sacrificial death for the salvation of the world. Scandal, here we have spiritual death or murder. Scandal constitutes a grave fault, sin, serious sin, when by action or omission another is led to sin deliberately. Because of the evil and injustices which lead to war, we must do all that is reasonably possible to avoid it. The church prays from famine, pestilence, and war. Deliver us, Lord. Famine, pestilence, and war, all considered plagues, things from which we seek deliverance. Evil accompanies war. Injustices accompany war. Imagine non-combatants harmed, famine, shortage, what have you. Collateral damage, so-called. But sometimes they need be fought. The church and human reason declare the permanent validity of the moral law during armed conflicts. Practices deliberately contrary to the rights of men and to universal principles are crimes. So here Nuremberg is not mentioned, but war crimes are obviously intended here. Permanent validity of the moral law. So the church is not saying total war, war at any cost, victory at any cost. The arms race is an extremely grave plague of humanity and wounds the poor in an intolerable manner. Here, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is citing the 81st article of the Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World of the Second Vatican Council, Gaudium et Spes. The arms race being a grave plague, wounding the poor because the money spent on arms, how many times do we need to be able to blow up the world, could be spent on food and education, clothing, housing. The last word on the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, kill others, kill yourself, kill the unborn, belongs to the Lord Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. What does the Lord Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. St. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9.
The Sermon on the Mount is like our Lord's stump speech. He spoke often about the way to heaven, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. When we are blessed peacemakers, when we honor our fathers and our mothers, when we keep holy the Sabbath, love the Lord's name and revere it, when we have no other gods but God, all by God's grace, then we are truly followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the grace to be found pleasing in his sight, who gives us the grace to grow in holiness. May God bless you.